0: Block Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Great Island Blitz, right here on Block Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts. Your host, Oscar Lopez, here alongside college football guru Troy Wilson. Uh, We will not have a WFA All-Star today, Holly Custis, in the house, but we will have the phenom, Brooke Leach, coming up from the Kansas City uh, Titans of the WFA as well as uh, North Liberty High School. So she'll be in the house in about 15 minutes here. We're also going to talk big-time college football this week, Heisman um, Trophy Race, a couple of the uh, boards have been set by the committee pretty much fixed in in terms of what teams are going to get in, what teams are not going to get out. So we're going to talk about that. Week nine in the NFL, um, just crazy as well. And so the, the matchups there with the division leaders, almost everybody's separating themselves now. So uh, some teams are on the block now with trying to patch up some quarterback issues as well as trying to get uh, ready for 2018, some of the uh, – Teams like the Niners and the Browns. I'm trying to make some moves to see what, what's going to happen for next year. But overall, pretty exciting weekend here. We're going to dive in quickly here with college football. We're going to, we're going to talk to the Phenom, Brookleach, uh, coming up in 15 after here. And then we'll dive into the NFL and then uh, finish up in the women's recap. Playoffs in Great Iron, Queensland, one more week left. Pretty much the seedings are set Bayside Ravens. Great uh, Gold Coast Stingrays pretty much set into the playoffs. There's two positions still left, and that would be the uh, Griffith Thunder, uh, Britspring uh, Rhinos, and the Logan City Jets still fighting for the last spot. Crucial week 11 at this point in, in Queensland. We're also going to talk about a little bit of the Australian, um, I mean, the Austrian League uh, championship. That's going to be coming up. But you've got a couple weeks left. The 5-0 oh, um, 5-0 and is uh, the Dacia Vikings, the Vienna Vikings, versus the Danube Dragons. That's going to be the matchup next week as 5-0 and versus 4-1. and So, Troy, how's it going, buddy?
2: Doing well, man, doing well, man. It was a great week uh, for me, great week for college football, and great week for pro football. It was just lots of games and lots of things to take in, and I enjoyed all of it, man.
1: Now, Troy, you know, in college football – Kind of like crazy week. Uh, now we're looking at Georgia, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson pretty much locking in the top four spots. So if you don't follow college football pretty closely, being undefeated doesn't really mean much, right?
2: Well, not at the moment. I mean, all of this stuff has to shake out. I mean, you got pretty much uh, most most conferences uh, and, and the teams in the conferences have about two games left. Um, and then some of their respective conferences also have a championship game that they have to play for the conference championship. And that's when all the things start to shake out. I mean, you're going to see some upsets this week. Um, you know, you, the, the great thing about college football is that a lot of times it's going to come from a place you don't even know. But this week, it's just, you know, you have so many top 10, top 25 matchups, and everything is starting to put uh, come together all at the same time. It's just going to be super exciting. So you're going to have some, some uh, heavyweights and some um, uh, perennial powers going head-to-head. you got Notre Dame and Miami. That's going to be a crazy matchup. You're trying to see back if, if both of those teams can get back on the right track. I mean, Notre Dame was in the championship game three years ago. Miami, man, it had, it's been a long time since they were relevant programs. So they're in a frenzy right now down there. So this is really going to be an, an interesting week. God, and I'm just going to be glued to the TV the
1: whole time. Now, uh, Georgia retains the number one position, uh, followed by, obviously, Alabama. So, the Bulldogs pretty much have already clinched the uh, SEC East title. So, we're waiting for um, the Crimson Tide to get past Mississippi and Auburn to meet in Atlanta at this point. So, they're pretty much locked in. Notre Dame holds down the third spot with Clemson in fourth as it stands right now. Uh, based on the coaching polls and the playoff polls, uh, at this point, those are pretty much the lock-in ones. Uh, then you have uh, Oklahoma remains outside despite the big uh, road win against Oklahoma State. So their chances, um, they've got to pretty much impress the committee going forward here in the next couple weeks or the next two or three weeks, right?
2: Well, I mean, they, they've already been impressive enough. What, the, what the Oklahoma really has to do is just keep winning. And um, so if, if they continue to win, the, and here's and here's why: because with Georgia and Alabama, that's going to play itself out. Okay, so with Georgia and Alabama, it looks like they're on a collision course right now for the SEC t- championship. So that matchup is kind of going to play itself out. Now we've seen in the past before where you have two SEC teams that are going ahead, and, and they still make it to the playoffs, So you got two Big Ten teams, or you know, or whatever the mix is. And you've seen that happen before, so that won't be unheard of. But that's really Oklahoma's best chance. So Oklahoma really at this point just has to keep winning. And if they can do that, then they should be in the top four without question because their resume, their resume stays that.
1: Now Miami rose up to number seven after beating Virginia Tech. So the Hurricanes get a visit from Notre Dame in a game that will be huge for both teams. So what are you, what are you looking at there?
2: Oh, man, you know, this This brings me back in the 80s when Jimmy Johnson was there and Lou Holtz was on uh, Notre Dame sideline where you had the, what was it, the um, uh, Catholics versus the Convicts. I mean, that was great. I mean, that's, all of that went into the fanfare and, and went to this rivalry. And, again, you haven't seen that rivalry kind of, but it's kind of, uh, you know, filtered out recently over the years, even after Notre Dame started to, you know, begin to play ACC teams because Miami just hasn't been on the map. And now both of those teams are on the map. And it's one of those matchups where you sit back and say, this is when all is right with college football, when you got Notre Dame and Miami in a full tilt battle at this late in the season, old rivalries, both of those programs are revitalized. I mean, this is what you love about college football. It's going to be a lot of clips during the game that show those old matchups. And it's going to bring back nostalgic moments for anybody who's seen those matchups back in the past, like I have. And it looks like uh, the
1: bull predictions have pretty much Notre Dame uh, working into the mix. So that's got to say good. We talk about how they're outside of the regular traditional, you know, game in, in terms of the, you know, college football. But uh, at this point, I mean, Wisconsin would be the next, uh, I guess, the next lowest of the four major beatens at number eight, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin right now is undefeated. And, you know, again, this is going to be one of those chances where, um, you know, they have to sit back and let things play out. I mean, conceivably, Oklahoma and TCU, they're going to work their differences out this week. I mean, because they play on the field and it's going to be, you know, a great battle. And so that's going to work itself out. So Wisconsin stands to move up in that standpoint. Uh, Notre Dame and Miami, that's also going to be an instance where it's a possibility where they can go ahead and move up. And again, if they end the defeat if they end the season undefeated, it's gonna be really hard to, to argue with the fact that they are undefeated and not in the playoffs and they're in a the big five conference. So it's gonna be a tough out for them as long as they stay undefeated right now.
1: All right. So uh Badgers, uh Michigan and the Badgers. Uh Michigan and a strong opponent in Big Ten. So what do we say about Michigan right now?
2: Well, Michigan is is a little bit down right now, um, and right now they're having, you know, they're they're starting to get their things together, starting to get a running game going, and now you have two running backs uh, that they feature out of the backfield uh, with Karan Higdon uh, leading the charge, along with um, uh, along with uh, Chris back there, uh, number twelve, and you know, this past game they both ran for over two hundred yards rushing. And at the same time, you got Brandon Peters at the quarterback position, who is now getting acclimated to that offense. And a lot of people who were screaming for this were like, "Oh man, why didn't they do this earlier in the season when they had so many struggles with Spate initially, and then John O'Korn after that?" And it looks like they're they're kind of getting their, their their moxie going. The interesting thing would be this Penn State loss that gives them uh, two losses in the Big Ten. Uh, And then you also have Ohio State. Now, if they beat Ohio State, that also gives them two losses in the Big Ten. You just have to worry, is Penn State going to lose another game? And conceivably, you would think, with Michigan State playing Ohio State uh, this week, they would fight. That's going to be a battle right there. So Michigan still has an outside chance to get to the Big Ten championship game. But even if they do, they wouldn't be able to make the playoffs because you'll never see a team with two losses make the playoffs. All right. So, twice, Washington and Auburn complete the top ten. So, falling out of the
1: top ten were Ohio State, Penn State, who were sixth and seventh uh, before losing on the road in, in the Big Ten. So, the top four teams in the final rankings uh, would be what they're coming out in December, right? Uh, in December, they will f-
2: basically figure out the semifinals. Uh, uh, yeah, it should be. Well, actually, it should be in um, actually uh, late November is when it's going to happen. So um, they're really going to figure it out around then. They may announce it back in December, but, you know, all all of this stuff will be pretty much worked out at that point.
1: All right. So um, we got the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. So this cute, this month is really crucial for everybody in terms of positioning, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, the better you can keep your resume, the better bowl you can get, and hopefully you can get to the playoff. I mean, that's really what the goal is. You just want to be one of those top four teams that get a chance to play for the dance. Uh, and and so Ohio State did it three seasons ago where they came in as the four seed, and they, you know, they upset Alabama uh, to win the title. And, you know, It just really vaulted them But all they needed to do was to get in And it was controversial that they got in in the first place There were teams that that Thought they were way more deserving But Ohio State got in because Of the the Ohio State name But Ohio State proved themselves by You know going in And taking care of business and they won the whole thing And so that's what you want to see From you know If you can get into that top four That's your absolute goal because then You at least have a chance to dance
1: all right, so looking at the rankings right now, we got Georgia 9 and 0, Alabama 9 and 0, Notre Dame 8 and 1, Clemson 8 and 1, Oklahoma 8 and 1, TCU 8 and 1, and you got Miami Florida 8 and 0, Wisconsin 9 and 0, Washington 8 and 1, and you got Auburn 7 and 2 in the bottom five uh, right there off the top 10, Troy, Southern Cal, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State they still have an opportunity to move up, right?
2: Yeah. um, Well, Michigan State has a real good chance because they are going um, into the horseshoe and playing Ohio State. And so if they can beat Ohio State, that gives them a a big argument as far as, number one, winning the Big Ten because that's the ultimate ultimate goal, and and to have the voters at least look and and take that into account when it comes to bowl games. Now – you still have to play the Big Ten. Even if, they, even if Michigan State wins out and they go to the Big Ten championship game, you still have to win that game also. And then they can at least have an argument with it. But with the two losses, it's going to be very difficult to put them up there at this point. I think really the only team, the only chance, only 2 lost team that really has a chance to get into the playoffs will be Auburn. And that's because this week they're playing number one Georgia, uh, at least in the playoff uh, ranking. And then the next week, they're going to play number two, Alabama. And then after that, they would, if they won both of those games, they would go to the SEC championship game. And listen, if Auburn runs the table and they win the next three games, and that's including the SEC championship game, you give me one plausible reason why Auburn shouldn't be in the playoff. They they would absolutely deserve it. But I think really that's the only team that could that would be able to state that case. In the top
1: 20, you still have Oklahoma State, Mississippi State, Virginia Tech, and then you have undefeated uh, Central Florida, which probably will not get a nod. You also got Memphis at 8-1. and one. And like I was saying before, this doesn't really matter at this point when it comes down to the committee's top 25 because reality is if you don't get in the top four, you're not really going to go to the big bowl games, right?
2: Well, just the, the top four go to the playoff. Now, everyone else gets a chance to go to the bowl games. And so okay. uh, typically what you see is the SEC teams, um, they go to the Sugar Bowl. You see Big Ten teams they, and, uh, and Pac-12 teams go to the Rose Bowl. And so, you know, the, the top teams in those conferences uh, get to go to those uh, top bowls most of now. Some of the bowls, they can bring an at-large team where you sit back and say, okay, well, we can either take the, you know, third best, you know, FCC team, or we can go ahead and get Notre Dame because Notre Dame doesn't belong to a conference. You know, most people will say Notre Dame because Notre Dame's fan base travels, and so it's really about a business decision. Also, they take into account the fan base and do their fan, does their fan base travel. Uh, typically, if you would look at Iowa State, Iowa State is not a known power, and you know they don't have a they, um, uh, they don't have their student body all over the United States. So they probably wouldn't invite an Ohio State. Uh, But they would definitely vote, uh, you know, choose uh, USC or Ohio State because their fans are from everywhere. They can travel everywhere and get there. So a lot of that goes into it as well.
1: Kind of exciting week because there was games with rain, snow, pretty much all the way across the country, (laughs) sleet. It really became kind of interesting watch certain games because uh, fumbles and, you know, opportunities were kind of limited in some games, but overall it was a pretty exciting week.
2: Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, and, and a lot goes into that, you know, because if you're, you know, you you really build your team to how the elements are in, in your conference. So a lot of times you see Big Ten teams, they get the bigger, stronger guys who, you know, they need to be able to have traction in the snow. Where, you know, in the SEC and, and things like in the ACC and the, especially the southern half, you know, you see the guys that are fast. And, you know, they're, they're faster on that type of turf where the turf is dry most of the time. And so, you know, that goes into recruiting also. But, yeah, the weather it was just great. I, I loved it, especially on those, uh, you know, northern hemisphere games. You had the snow. You had sleet. You had a good mix of everything, a little bit even delays of uh, since weather. So this is that time of year. It's November and it's starting to get cold out there and this separates the men from the boys, so to speak.
1: All right, so yeah, a few games that we're gonna be uh that will be ultimately decide the final four. Georgia and uh number ten Auburn face off this weekend, as do number three Notre Dame and number seven Miami. Uh if they get by the hurricanes, the fighting Irish then would have to travel to Stanford to uh, number four Clemson, has Florida State and South Carolina both on the horizon. And number two Alabama is obviously uh, automatic, you know, you couldn't call them automatic you know, winner but uh, in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. But overall, I mean, they played so well this season that you, you just wouldn't think there would be any different, right? But uh, it's going to be
2: pretty exciting. Well, Alabama's been so dominant for years, I mean, you just expect them to win every single game. And for the most part, they don't let people down. They, they That's what they do. They just win. But in instances over the past few years, you've seen teams, a Mississippi team, who actually won, you know, uh, they won uh, three out of the last four, I believe. Uh, and, and so Texas A&M back when they had Johnny Manziel. So when Alabama loses, it's a shot. But you have two teams that they have to play coming up. What, they're kind of built to do that. Mississippi State right now, they're ranked number 16. They've had a surprising season. They had a great season. Uh, they had a good LSU win early in the season. They dominated that team. And last week, Alabama had a little bit of trouble with LSU and their speed. They did win the game 14 to nothing. Uh, but LSU really kind of put a the damper on that on that uh, offense that Alabama has. So Mississippi State has a chance. To do that, if they can limit them on offense somehow and slow them down and look at that tape and also make plays on their end, they stand a really good chance of winning. But next week is the real one. This is the Iron bowl. Auburn, they are back hot again. Initially, I thought they were going to run the table. They had to slip up in between with LSU, lost to them, but they were winning in that game as well. So they're not going away. And Alabama knows that Auburn is not in awe of them at all. They are not afraid of them. And that's the one team in the conference you can probably say that about. So that's going to be a great matchup one way or the other. It doesn't matter who wins this week or next week. It's always going to be a great match in the Iron Bowl. All right. So let's go into the huddle,
1: sponsored by Zazzle.com. You get everything at Zazzle, tees, leggings, um, hoodies. You can design them, customize them. Uh, Zazzle.com has been our Big partner for a long time. We appreciate it. Go to Zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. Get everything you can there. Uh, you can even customize, like I said, and ultimately uh, get a chip for the holidays. Use the, uh, the codes, daily codes, save up to 15% um, and save some big money there. So go to Zazzle.com forward slash Beauties and get your gear. Every sale that comes out of that helps us to uh, spotlight another talented athlete worldwide that's playing women's American football. So, Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. So, let's go into the huddle right now, and we're going to bring in the phenom, Brooke Leash of the WFA um, Titans and of North Liberty High. So, Brooke, uh, welcome back to the Great Iron Blitz. You're on with Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez. Uh, What an exciting 2017 for you. Uh,
3: It's been pretty good.
1: I bet it has, it's been exciting. I mean, you take a semi-playoffs, and you've been playing pretty well in terms of your high school dual positions as well, not just quarterback, but both sides of the ball. So, uh, tell tell the fans a little bit about your exciting 2017 so far.
3: Um, My 2017 was, you know, my first year playing with the Kansas City Titans, um, you know, leading the team to the first round of the playoffs, ended up losing, but... You know, it was a really great experience to not only start as a 16-year-old quarterback, but to take the team to the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, that game I played every position that you can know of because we didn't have enough players. And, you know, I played my heart out that day. But, you know, at the end of the day we're all still a team and we win together and we lose together. So,
2: So uh, Brooke?
1: Uh, the Minnesota Vixen, a very top-quality team, so it's not like you, you lost to some, you know, nobody team. They're pretty good. And you guys played well throughout the season, and yourself included uh, did pretty well at quarterback. Um, but the challenge was there, and like you said, the better team won that day. But w- the experience that you got from, uh, from day one, you know, week one, all the way down to the, the last, uh, last game of the season, um, how was it for you at the beginning? Was it something like you got, ahead, you got ahead used to it? And all of a sudden you got a little bit more comfortable and as as you got into you know closer to the playoffs, you're a little bit more in, you know in tune with what the Titans were doing,
3: yeah, when I first started out you know i you know as a quarterback i as starting out at sixteen, I didn't know what to do, but you know I had to step up my character and be a leader um and show the team you know what we're expected to do, and you know that that is to mean win. Um, you know, this year I'm open to step it up and take the team to the championship this year. That's my biggest goal right now.
1: The team's going to be retooled this year. I, I'm, I'm assuming. So there's going to be a lot of changes. I know there's changes in ownership and there's changes there. So it's kind of exciting news to have that. Um, uh, Brooke, the, the high school season also pretty exciting on top of the, you know, the WFA uh, season that you had. So, um, I don't know what you're drinking or eating, but it seems like you're just, uh, you know, no kryptonite for you. It's just like you're go, go, go.
2: Yeah,
3: that's pretty much me every day, every weekend. Um, you know, um, right now I'm actually doing wrestling for my high school, you know, something to keep me in shape. And, you know, I'm competitive, so I really wanted to wrestle this year, and, you know, and I'm getting into that right now.
1: And so th- is that something that you just wanted to do for fitness or is there something more of a challenge for you just to get back to, you know, because wrestling is almost as tough as rugby and if not football as well?
3: Um, I wanted to do it because it's challenging and, you know, it will make me not mentally but physically better athlete than I am now.
1: Uh, Brooke, also you had the opportunity to, to spend some time with the Kansas City Chiefs doing uh, community work, and I know you did it last year and this year as well, which is uh, to go out there and kind of present to other girls and let them know that obviously they can do the same thing you can, if not better. So tell us a little bit about the, uh, the camp, the Camp City Chiefs camp, where you were a speaker.
3: The Kansas City Chiefs camp, uh, you know, we've been partners with them for two years now. Um, every year we'll put on a Girl Scout camp, and hopefully there's many more camps to come. And we'll do, um, you know, little groups to, you know, teach them football and how it works so we can get more girls into football than there is now so that when they grow up, they know that they can play football, not just because, you know, it's a boys' sport, but it can be in anybody's sport.
1: All right, Brooke, I'm going to have the big guy here, the college football girl, Troy Wilson, throw some questions out at you. So go ahead, Troy.
2: Hey, Brooke, your schedule must be crazy hectic. How, how do you even manage? How do you manage to juggle all of those things at once? I mean, you're doing wrestling, you're playing semi-professional football, you're doing high school football. How do you manage all of that, including doing your studies? That just sounds incredible.
3: Um, you know, I'm – ever since I started football, I've always been on a really tough schedule, and um I've gotten really used to it. I'm always on the go. Um – you know, focusing on school and then practice at the end of the day. I mean, sometimes it's hard for me to, you know, stay with it. But I know that I can't give up something that I already started because I'm not like that.
2: Gotcha. So, so how's your training going now? I mean, how, how's your, are you feeling a little bit sore, or has everything going? Now? Are you doing some training right now for the off season?
3: Um. Yes, I am. Um. You know, I'm. After I work out, I'm sore, um, you know, but I keep getting back into the gym the next day and keep on going, you know, just to make me better as an athlete.
2: Awesome. Awesome. So, what about college prospects? Have you thought about going to college at this point? Um, so, what are your prospects going forward? I mean, because, listen, you're everywhere. I mean, we saw you on the on, inside of 17 magazine. I thought that was awesome to read that. That was about two years ago. And it was just so cool reading the article. So what's next for you? I mean, because this is this is really huge right now.
3: Um, You know, I'm going to plan on going to college, maybe even trying to play football in college um, and stick with the Kansas City Titans my whole life. Um, I want to grow up to be an NFL coach, so I'm going to go to college for that. Um, I haven't really looked into colleges yet because I'm still a junior and um, have a lot of time on my hands that, you know, oh, yeah. I'm always see. Yeah, I work you there. Take I, your time. That's
2: the way I see it. Gotcha. That's awesome. So, you know, being in the champ, in, in the playoffs. All right, was this your first time in the playoffs? And if it was, how did you feel? Like it, it just kind of went to another level because most of the time you hear that on on, you know, sports sportscasts all the time. They say, oh, you got in the playoffs, you got to bring it to another level. Did you also feel that way when you were in the playoffs?
3: Yeah, when we went to the playoffs, I knew it was another level because, you know, we've played them before, the Vixens before, and they're a good team. Um, you know, I knew that I couldn't make mistakes and I had to step up and be a leader so that way we can at least try to win as a team, not as an individual. Um but once once we hit that step that I knew that we were going to the playoffs at the last minute, um, you know, I I played my heart out that game to try to, you know, get the team in the second round of the playoffs, but it just didn't happen that day.
2: Yeah, and I know just getting a taste of that playoffs, I know that's, that's kind of making you hungry. You know, you want a little bit more of that because you keep going over, oh, man, if this would have went our way, if that would have went our way, man, you know, and, and it kind of just drives you. You seem like the type that is – That's pretty much driven by that. You know, you're not not deterred by failure. You're just – you're driven by, you know, trying to get to a higher plane than where you were last season. Am I right about that? I'm getting a sense from that from you. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oscar? All right, Troy. Um, So, Brooke –
1: Um, the outside activities keep growing. I I, I see all these things about your Jeep. So tell us about the monster Jeep that you, uh, apparently are building up.
3: Um, when I was 14, my dad bought me this Jeep, you know, and we, he bought it off an auction site, very first car. And I told my dad, I've always told my dad that I wanted a Jeep for my first car. So we ended up getting it back to my house. It was all rusted out. And, you know, I always thought that it wouldn't get to the point where it would look good, but my dad made a promise to me that he would get my Jeep the way I wanted it to look. So I worked my heart out over the summer working because I'm own lawn business, um, working hard, making all this money so that way I can customize my Jeep the way I want it. And from that point, my dad had built it for me, um, ended up putting a 5.3 V8 engine in it, putting a, Instead of six ships, put a manual or um, automatic in it. Um, you know, bumpers, wheels, tires,
1: um, soft top, hard it's, it's kind of like your Hulk. <laughs> it looks like a Hulk with all the with the big tires and everything. Uh, that's intimidating, by the way. Just to let you know, not because you're a girl behind the wheel, but just because it looks intimidating. It's like a monster truck type of intimidation vehicle.
3: Yeah, that my Jeep is my baby. That's all I say. I will have that. I will be buried in that thing when I die. There's no way I'm gonna let that thing go.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Buried in it. Buried in it. <laughs> wow, that's a that's an awesome uh, awesome ride. That's all I'm telling you. When I when I see the photos and everything, I'm like, I kind of get jealous too because when you go off roading, uh, that kind of vehicle right there would kick some butt.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, Brooke, um, the, the high school season, did it go the way you guys thought at this point? How was the high school season compared to the pro, semi-pro season?
3: Um, the high school season was pretty good. Um, I played both sophomore team and JV team. Um, varsity ended up losing the, our, our playoff game to Liberty High School. And that's when our season ended right there. It was about two weeks ago that we had a loss. Football's been over for two weeks now. Um, You know, it it went as expected, you know, bringing in a whole new coaching staff. And, you know, I'm blessed to have the coaching staff that we have now than what it used to be. Um, You know, we're just building on up from what we have now because we have a lot of new players in and all the seniors are leaving. So we have to build a a better team in the offseason right now.
1: All right, a key a key component to playing on both sides of the ball is usually good, but there's also the injury factor. So, do you ever have that thing in your head where like, okay, uh, I could be just the quarterback, but I I don't have to play dual dual play, but it really is kind of like the normal thing, right? Even from the Titans to the high school, it literally you have to play both sides. Yeah. So do you like playing both sides at this point or is this something that you would prefer to play only on one side of the ball?
3: Yeah, I mean when I play defense, I'm a monster on defense, you know, when I'm out there I wanna kill somebody on you know, <laughs> running the ball. That's the way I see it. Um, you know, I'm phys- I'm physical on defense. I love both sides of the ball, to be honest. Um, you know, I play whatever you put me at. I know just about every position.
1: All right. Uh, Brooke, you had your uh, your mentor, Katie Sowers, get the job in San Francisco. Um, how proud were you that when you heard the news?
3: Um, You know, I was pretty proud of her. You know, I I knew that she wasn't – she was going to get another job in the NFL. Um, you know, she was with the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm pretty proud of her of how far she has gone to where she is now, you know, because I want to be a coach when I get older.
1: Now, uh, did uh, Liz miss Katie at this point? you got to be honest here. Did she miss uh, Katie uh, this season?
3: Yeah, Liz, Liz missed her a lot, you know. I mean, if, if I had a twin sister playing football with me, I'd miss her too because, you know, she was always by her side. And at some point, they're going to leave at some point, and And, um, you know, she was upset that she didn't have her sister at quarterback this year. But, you know, I stepped up and took over and – um played
1: just as well as she did. Awesome. So we're really proud of you. Um I know that uh some of the all the Titans players, you know, uh really really proud of the fact that you stepped up and did your part. So um 2018, so you're going back to the Titans and playing high school again for the final year there? Yep. Plans for the, at this point just kind of settle in and make it a better season for the Titans. I know uh from what I would read, uh, your dad's gonna pretty much kind of lead the franchise at this point, with, um, and so that, that's got to be great, great for the community as well, and then him being there for you as well, more of internal. But um, it's every every player has to make the roster anyway, so there's really no favoritism, especially in semi pro, because everybody is up to the par basically. Yeah. So, what do you think of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs season so far?
3: Um, it, you know, it, it's actually struck my mind of how good we are this year. Um, you know, seeing them play the Patriots and all that, they're actually pretty good this year than they were last year. I'm pretty proud of them.
1: Who's your Who's your favorite key player that you root for in Kansas City, and besides Alex Smith, because everybody usually roots for a quarterback, but. Who would be some of your uh, maybe one or two players that you really focus on week to week and uh, kind of root for in in the with the Chiefs? Um,
3: uh, my first one is Patrick Mahomes, and my second one is Tyreek Hill.
1: Hill has been awesome this this season, right? I mean, this has been great uh, between him and Alex yeah. Smith. I mean, it's been great.
3: Yeah, he's one of my favorite players.
1: What do you think of the playoff opportunities for Kansas City? Um, put in your, your oracle. Give us a little uh, insight in terms of do you think they're going to go deep or uh going to be a crushing end in the playoffs?
3: I think they're going to go pretty far. I, at least I hope. I hope they get to the Super Bowl this year. But I have a feeling they will.
1: And they have a good team. Uh, the coach is really good. Andy Reid's been really good. So um, it's been great uh, to kind of watch them um and they have this makeup uh between the running game and the and pa- the passing pretty good scheme you would say right yeah was there something that you guys instituted in in uh with the Titans that maybe you instituted in there when you when you got in or is it something more the coaches you kind of blended in with the coaches was the coaches more more fit to your style or was it something that you had insights or information for them, too, to kind of get you to to be better as the season progressed?
3: Um, I would say both because, you know, I've, I brought some things that I learned in high school football to the Titans. You know, I mean, if it's a different position, because, um, you know, I work with mostly defense and offense at high school. So, you know, I'll know some things and, you know, um, tell them what I have learned at high school and, Sometimes they use my advice on it um, during the Titans season to teach the players
1: it. Uh, Brooke, tell us a little bit about number 13. Uh, why number 13 on the jersey? Is there a story behind the 13?
3: For my high school team?
1: Yeah, for your 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 jersey number. Uh, what's, what's 13? I mean, is it just something that's assigned to you or, or does it mean something? Because every player usually – chooses a certain number so is 13 something that is assigned to you or was something that just what does it mean does it mean anything
3: well my number 13 jersey for high school um my first year playing high school football as a freshman my number was 13 and my coach always told me lucky number 13 um you know that's that's what he always said and I've stuck with that um Last year I had to be number six, but then I switched back to number thirteen this year for my junior year of high school football. Um, and then my Kansas City Titans uh, football number is number ten. Um, I picked number ten because of Tyreek Hill. I did that, um, you know, because I want to. I want to be just like him. I want to run as fast as he can.
1: Awesome. So are you sticking to ten next year, or is it uh, you don't you you, can, you don't make that call, do you, uh, in terms of the Titans, or is it something where it'll be reassigned or assigned.
3: Yeah, I'm standing with number 10.
1: So, Brooke, um, Doji Malo made some trading cards, um, and he's been pretty excited to do trading cards for a long time, but um, you got trading cards. <laughs> Not every high school girl can say, uh, you got tra- I have a trading card. So how cool is having a trading card?
3: You know, it's pretty cool. Ever since I started football, I've always wanted my own football card. And, you know, last year he had made me a football card with my picture from high school football. And I never thought one year I would have my own for the, not only for football, but for the Kansas City Titans playing at a semi-pro level at 16 years old. Um, I didn't realize it was going to come as, as fast as it did because, um, you know, I had to get approved, but it did. And, um, it all went smooth, played at 16,
1: and had my first football card from him. Real one, at least. Now, did you seal those? Have you put them in a lockbox? I mean, that's pretty historic because uh, that's something, you know, that not everybody's going to have one. So um, I know I saw some pictures where you were at the camp and you were signing and autographing some cards as well. Did you give out any cards? Yes, I did. Were they pretty excited to have a card, or were they shocked they do even have a card?
3: I would say both.
1: Really? Yeah. Were there yeah. was there any comments like, uh, "Wow, you have a card," or "Really, you have a card?" Because <laughs> a lot of people don't. You, you, the most most players in high school or you know in college they don't usually have trading cards, but uh, it's pretty pretty cool to have a, a, a trading card with your information on it.
3: Yeah,
1: they all thought it was pretty cool that I had one. All right. Um uh, Brooke, so what do we look forward to for two thousand eighteen? Are we going to the are we going back to the Titans and then we're finishing up high school and uh, as Troy was alluding here, so you're you're gonna spend the next what this next coming year kind of figuring out whether you're gonna go to college, junior college or go to a major college at this point?
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: Is there any school that you have any idea on right now, like staying lo- uh, close to home, like maybe in Missouri or in that area, or are you thinking maybe you're going to go out of state?
3: Um, I would say stay close to home. Um, you know, I'm probably looking at Maple Woods or UCM right now. All
1: right. So uh, the Titan season's coming up. WFA, pretty exciting you kind of made yourself a kind of a star in that sense because of, you know, because you're a youth uh, player. So, um, how cool is it to be playing with other players? I know you have friends on the Titans that obviously similar age to you. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the players that maybe were young on the team that in similar scope to you?
3: Um, we have one other player. She's, she's I'm 17 now. I just turned 17 two months ago. um, her name is Maddie. She plays – she's my wide receiver, and she also plays defense also. She is also 16. Um, you know, she's been playing football for three or four years now. Um, she had first come to trials, and she got permission to play too. So, you know, it's pretty cool to have another person my age to play with me um, throughout the year and, um, you know, stick with me till I get old and can't play no more.
1: So it was pretty cool to have a buddy, uh, kind of same age group, because uh, in semi-pro you got various age groups. So it's sometimes, yeah. you know, if you come in at a certain age group, you feel like kind of isolated in some ways because you don't have anybody else that can relate to maybe what you do or what cool things you do. So it's kind of nice to have Maddie there, I guess, huh? Yeah. Awesome. Um, Brooke, you've been very great to helping us out with our project, so I really appreciated um, making, you know, all that effort as well. And thank your parents for that as well. So um, I really appreciate you uh, being part of the no joke football project and it's been going strong and everybody's been able to take advantage of what we do with that project with you in general. So I really thank you for that. No problem. All right. So Brooke, anything else we need to know that fans need to know about, um, what you're going to do in the next season or coming up season here, besides tryouts and all that. uh, Is there anything going on?
3: No, not really as of now. It's just going to be basically off season workouts and this coming up wrestling season.
1: All right. So we're looking forward to to some cool picks uh, from the wrestling season. I'd like to see that and see how that works out as well. So make sure you don't get any cauliflower ears because that stuff's just nasty. I, you know what I mean. Make sure you wear your headgear. <laughs> Nobody wants to look with cauliflower ears. I know that happened to me during during high school, and that's not it. Doesn't it's not pretty cool.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, we wish you well in the wrestling season, and so uh, looking forward to more news about you coming up in 2008. Thank you for making the time today and coming on. And uh, we're looking forward to the, all the exciting things that are be coming up for you. So I really appreciate you making the time today. Thank you. All right. So, uh, Brooke, have a great evening. We'll touch base uh, and maybe at the start of another season of the WFA as well. So uh, say hi to your dad and mom for me, and uh, we'll look forward to another chat in the future. Thanks again. Yeah. All right, Troy, Troy, um, the feed on We got the feed on on the radio finally. Uh, she's She was back with us. How cool is that, Troy? You have a trading card that you can go out and give out to little girls and at NFL camps and stuff, but like that. that's
2: pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who didn't collect, you know, trading cards when they were little, especially football cards and the be one. I mean, that's got to be a drink, I'm sure.
1: I mean, it it to me, it's like kind of like eye opening in a way, but at the same time, it's like getting a card with your stats and everything else. That's got to be pretty awesome, you know, to just go there and kind of like, you know, say, oh, I I have a trading card. It doesn't happen very often, so um, I'm assuming uh, that's got to be a huge moment for her too.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's just she's so busy. You know, I mean, just, you know, that's that's a really tough thing, you know, for, you know, a kid to have to shoulder is to be on two football teams and also you're doing wrestling. I just – I commend her. I mean, that's a strong girl right there, and that's really time-consuming. So, for her to make time for everything like that, it's a testament to her and just – and also her family and, you know, her, especially her dad uh, as a going, boss. You know, so I just – I really – my hats off to their family – uh, for, for doing such a great job with
1: her. She was awesome. Yeah, and you know, and she's, she basically had a hard season in a way beginning and then made the playoffs. So like you were saying before, it's pretty tough to make a playoffs, but she ended up making the playoffs, and even though she lost in the playoffs, it was a really good season for, for both the Titans and herself, and it's kind of a learning experience like you were mentioning. You get to that stage where you learn from your losses and kind of want to be stronger.
2: Yeah, and I'm just looking at the – and then she's going into wrestling. I mean, she's trying to get all aspects down. I mean, she's she's finding different ways to train. This is the way you're supposed to do it. I just like the dedication that she has. So I know whatever goal she sets her mind to, you know, she alluded to, she wants to play college football. Um, She also is interested in being a coach. And she's got great people to, to, you know, to to guide her into that. I just think she's going in such an excellent direction. It's just a pleasure to sit.
1: And, you know, uh, Troy, you're a parent, everybody uh, that we talk to, um, it takes a lot of sacrifice from a parent sometimes to put uh, kids in youth sports because it's, you know, funding, extra money that I got to come up with, family has to be involved. There are a lot of sacrifices that come with youth sports that people have a tendency to forget. It's not just, you know, that you put them in a league and they're ready to go because the higher they excel, sometimes there's a financial burden that comes with that as well. So uh, it's, uh, you know, obviously her parents have, have done their part, and uh, that's where she's uh, doing her part as well.
2: Yeah, but there's also that community, you know. So a lot of times, especially if you have a close-knit group, you know, some of the parents, they they help out. You know, Uh, I remember when I was playing high school football, it was a lot of times where a friend of mine, you know, would be getting picked up, and I might be the last person. I'm waiting for my brother to come pick me up. And one of the parents would say, hey, look, I can drop you off at home. I'm like, oh, you don't have to go out of your way. They're like, no, I'm not going to let you be out here by yourself. And they'd get me in the car and, um, you know, then they would drive me home. And so you have communities like that that keep it close-knit like that. So I just think even with that, I think each parent out there is helping each other out. Because like you said, I mean, they're so busy and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of commitment to take this. And sometimes people can't do it. So, you know, it's a lot of togetherness, and I'm pretty sure that's the same uh, that they have on this.
1: Yeah, and, it, and she's excelled really well. She's uh, acclimated to both sides, of semi-pro, and obviously still finishing up uh, high school. So two years of one year, and then she's going to go to year two of semi-pro and obviously third year, almost fourth year of, of high school uh, football. So, Congratulations to her for all her efforts and, and putting in the time as well. And staying injury-free ultimately at, at that point, right? Injury-free is basically the key at this point.
2: Yeah, my coach used to always say the best way to, to get injured is just, you know, keep moving, keep running. And it seems like that's what she's doing every which way. I mean, wrestling, football, school, she's running, man. All
1: right, Troy, um,
2: big news
1: in the WFA this week. Also, big news in the IWFL this week. So, who else to bring in to kind of talk both about this big news, but then uh, your boy, obviously, Club Burmy Michael Burmy, in the house. No joke, Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. Uh, Michael, uh, another Tuesday off, I presume, and you're not making pizzas, but you're here with us.
0: Yes, I am. In this. Yes, I am. I actually, took, I actually took the day off to go see – go see Thor Ragnarok with my brother earlier today, so we both really nice. enjoyed that.
1: So we're going to have to call you the Adam Schefter of, of our show. How's that?
0: Hmm. I could go with that.
1: Yeah, let's go with that. Why not? Um, Burmy, uh, big news here. We all thought the, the Majestics were going to stay put in the WFA, and all of a sudden they uproot themselves and go to the IWFL. Was that a shocker for you, or was it this... Was it just it was going to happen at one point or another? Do you think?
0: Well, I honestly saw them going either way because, given how they have been, given how they have been, when this when the whole word broke out when the surge joined the IWFL and the word broke out about their case, their legal case to the WFA, the Majestics were the one of the more were one of the teams that was more sympathetic towards the surge.
1: That's and discussion. Group. Now the you know, it literally becomes kind of is the IAWFL elevated now to another level? Because first we get the surge, right? And we already had good teams like the Bobcats improving. We had Austin Yellowjackets, we have Utah. And U- and Utah and v- now we get Seattle
0: Falcons.
1: Right, and then so I
0: would say that any talk and in- let me put it this. Let me just put it this way. Before the during the off season, I was considering discontinuing IWFL coverage on my page. I am not even close. I am not even going to consider discontinuing coverage anymore.
1: Now everybody had that that feeling at one point or another, right? Because it was kind of like it, it was scaling down, but all of a sudden, all the recent news that we've had in the last week or two, and then almost the last month. This is huge. For me, it's huge because it makes it seem like the ownership in Seattle sees something of good value in the IWFL, just like the surge did. So uh, it's kind of like shifting at this point to where uh, every, it's going to be like one of these things where we're anticipating what's going to happen in the IWFL for 2018. Uh, so the, this offseason has off season's been pretty exciting in terms of news. Well,
0: they saw a big deal. This is going on there because we knew that they were going to have a deal. We knew that they had a deal on the deal with Under Armour, and their uni, their uniforms were be unveiled. They unveiled their uniforms this past week, few days after their IWF announcement. Their uniforms are simply beautiful.
1: Well, having Under Armour even on a sponsorship mentality is huge. So if the IWFL is going that route way above the uh, WFA model, way above the WFA model, because it's starting to feel like we were talking about Heroku, remember, and how she was uh, bringing up the fact that they're going to be more business driven. If you're hooking up with Under Armour, you're pretty much going to a business driven model.
0: Yep. And I, honestly th- and I honestly think that that is where the le- I actually do think that that is where the leak is going in that 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 there is a solid, that they have carved out a solid place for them, for themselves with those two join, with those two joining up there. I'm just real at this point. I'm just only hoping that with these changes coming, I'm just hoping that at the very least that Kez is willing to relinquish some of her, some of her roles to allow the people who have done an amazing job with their teams help to solidify the league and make sure that it sticks, that it sticks around and gets to new heights.
1: Now, um, Burmy, what's going to happen here in terms of the structure of the league? Because now we're looking at travel costs, Seattle to Utah, Utah to San Diego, uh, Austin to Utah, you know what I mean? So there's a travel cost. I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to be remedied.
0: I would think, well, of course, there was another, a few days before the Majestics announced Their move. Another new team, upstart team called the Eugene Lady Hawks, based in Eugene, Oregon, announced they were joining the. I, they were starting up in the IWFL next year, so they're going to have at least one team in the Pacific Northwest.
1: Right, but and I'm talking about be... logistics in terms of cost. Um, the WFA has more proximity and closer teams, so that means the cost is going to be a little less. Where the IWFL is still a little bit spread out. That's my point. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to fix that in terms of minimal uh, losses because travel costs obviously cost a lot. But in a business model, I'm pretty sure they're going to try to build that in somehow.
0: I think I think they'll do just – I honestly think they're going to do just fine because we have now – with them joining, the IWFL now has a big four teams there, the Falcons, the Yellow Jackets, the Surge, and the Majestics there. I think they're going to be as, – as one of the four – as one of the four favorites to win the national championship next year, I think they're going to be, I honestly think they're going to be, I think they're going to do just, I think they're going to do just fine. with The new opportunities are going to defray the travel costs they may incur. And I'm, and you know, and of course, you know, I am Albert, extremely excited at the press at whenever the Falcons versus Majestics game is being played next year. I actually might fly out to Seattle to come out, come see it.
1: All right so bernie you're you're feel good you're feeling good about this i w f l for two thousand and eighteen, given all the news that's coming out. you're feeling pretty good then right
0: well yes, I am feeling pretty good i'm just hoping, but as I said, the key to this will be if kez is willing it will be kez disney if she the key will be willing well she's she's willing to step back or at least at the very least if she doesn't step down as the seller stepped out or step down as leader of that. At least she's able, willing to relinquish a good bit of her position there to those, te- to those teams who are ready to make it more business-driven there. Because Kes has been burned. Because they've been known to they've been known to burn a lot of quite a few bridges there. And I'm just gonna. I, but the challenge will be to make sure that she keeps. Sure, she treats those teams that where they will be, where they will be willing to stay there, where they'll be, or they're gonna stay where they're at because. I actually remember. So have, I still remember have, back then, back when the IWFL made a big deal about one of the one of my favorite teams. That, sorry, what was that you just said?
1: No, I said it, you have some doubts still about the IWFL structure, right?
0: As long as, well, as long honestly, I feel like the personality and the way Kes Dis, Kez Disney, I think should hopefully she can. She would be able to fall back. A bit. She's she can she'd be willing to fall back a little bit, and let the new ownership structure take over some, of those things because there is value in the brand.
1: Yeah, and we talked to Christina Curio, and we talked to, uh, Curio, we talked to Heroku, um, so both of them seemed to, under you know uh, tell us what they told us was basically that's that's what's happening, that uh, the IWFL leadership you know the ownership from the league is allowing them to come up with the ideas as more of a council type mentality. So um, if that's the case, then obviously that's a positive.
0: I think I honestly, I think if it is true that they're getting a more of a say, so I think the league is going to, I think the league is going to be very much, maybe very much improving there because those are people, those are very solid owners who know what they're doing. They know the game and they're ready to, they're ready to up, they're ready to elevate the league to a whole nother level elevate the game to a whole nother level too i
3: mean
1: um michael what do you see on the east coast all the news is west coast this year for iwfl you know we got austin we got utah we got san diego you know oregon we got seattle uh where do you see the iwfl on the east coast or or do we even have an east, east coast base
0: i do not see any iwfl teams on the east coast remember the easternmost team the IWFL has right now is the Iowa Crush. And they're going to be, I think the East Coast teams who are not going to, I think the East Coast teams who either can't go or don't want to be in the WFA are going to be part of the U.S. WFL.
1: So we're looking at the IWFL structure being more West Coast or Midwest, uh, which makes I'd sense in terms of west finances. Of miss-
0: west of the Mississippi. West of the Mississippi, all their teams are west of the Mississippi. I imagine that's going to be where they're, that's going to be where they focus on. That's, that As long as they can strengthen up over there, they're going to do well.
1: Yeah, and I think that's going to be well for travel, too, So because um, flights, costs are cheap, and travel, you know, we're three hours, four hours, under maybe three and a half hours travel time from state to state. So it's not too bad of a travel. But uh, it's kind of nice that they're focusing on the west coast, not so much on the East Coast, but the West Coast. And if it works, uh, there's some powerhouses on the West Coast. You know, you got San Diego, you got Seattle, you got Austin. It's going to make for very interesting matchups in season.
0: Yes, it yes, it is going to make for some matchups. Which everyone is which everyone is looking forward to. And just let let you in on a little secret. I am actually going to be looking forward to the because when I did my Bernie Awards for best mascot there, one of the things I proposed was I really hope. Felix Falk the, the, the two best mascots in women's football are Felix Falcon of the Utah Falcons and Kitty Majestic from the Seattle Majestics there. I hope that in their game there wherever they go both both mascots are able to be on the, be on that field and just have that and just have that incredible just have that dance off or whatever they could, or whatever they do there but seriously the game they they need the Falcons Majestics games and the games with the surge as well. They need to – they really need to step – up. They are, good. they are going to be fun to watch on every level.
1: I'm looking forward to uh, all the uh, – the whole scope, San Diego-Utah, Seattle-Utah, Austin-Utah, Carson-Utah, you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of like uh, um, Utah now just got got upgraded competition. You know what I mean? It's, they're not going to – at this point, until they play the games, it just looks like on the map on the, in terms of the league – it looks like uh, the league has tr- uh, put strength to, towards the uh, matchup against Utah, and that's exciting times.
0: And that's yes, it is going to be some going to be some really exciting times ahead. As I said, my hopeful scenario is that is that there's going to be a day there going to be a time next season where on the weekend where let's say one let's say. The Tacoma Trauma have a game. WFA have a game in the afternoon, which I'm gonna, which I get, which I would go fly, fly into SeaTac, go to the Trauma game in the afternoon, then be able to, to take the quick, take the quick ride to get to see, ride to see the Majestics game in Seattle in the evening. That's what I'm really hoping for next
1: year. Uh, based on Hiroku's information and Christina's information, some of these games are going to be broadcast. Uh, they're figuring out that out right now. So if that happens, I think this elevates the IWFL to another level of exposure because if they do broadcast some of these games and they come up really well, um, it's going to be pretty, pretty awesome for fans, but overall for the brand to be even on a, on a stream mode.
0: Both league, Let me tell you something. Both leagues know that that's going to be the streaming mode broadcast will be the key to getting them on another getting them on another level cuz as the WFA said in the press release which I posted on my page today when they increased their playoff their, their playoff tr- travel funds giving money and are provi- starting to provide rings for D2 to, for the D2 national champions going forward in addition they posted about how they're already well advanced in talks with the SPM3 to broadcast their games of the week how they hope to get to a major network so it's going to be interesting it's going to be interesting to see the both leagues make their pitch to the networks and see which gets picked.
1: Now you mentioned the WFA news I was breaking today, um, where um, Lisa King announces that they're going to obviously support the teams, those teams that obviously make playoffs, that going, you know, they go further into the playoffs, and the division champs, um, they're going to get the rings, and then they're going to get some additional. Uh, funding for travel costs to cover some of the travel costs at this point. Um, What did you you think of that news, uh, Burmy? Is is that good? Is it it almost the same as the previous years?
0: I'm saying that, personally, I'm thinking, although I am really, while while I would obviously really, while I I obviously wish that, hope that eventually they'll be able to fund, Cover rings for divisions one, two, and three national champions. It's a step, it is definitely a step in the right direction, adding division two cha- national title rings to the ones which they're providing for. Because let me, t- because if assuming that the St. Louis, assuming, because division two is going to be something fun to watch, and assuming the Slam stay D2, they're going to be, all eyes will be on them as they go for the. As they look for the three peat next year. So and is this going so that is going to, as I said, division two is where the heart and soul of the WFA is. It is going to be something to watch, something amazing to watch.
1: Now the sad news is, uh, the Montreal Blitz have not found a home. Uh, the Blitz were actually literally kicked out of the WFA. <laughs> they didn't kick themselves I out. I would not they were, well,
0: they, said, they were
1: kicked out. Well so, kick, uh, out,
0: kicked out there, they said they did not say whether the team was kicked out. They said that all the they wrote, some other division two teams were concerned about Canadian border security and travel costs. Apparently, with some Canadian border patrol officers you can't you can't get into Canada if you have had so much as a parking ticket in the past.
1: but what i 'm saying is uh on the overall aspect of it, it seems like they were kicked out. <laughs> Completely kicked out. Well,
0: the WFA I, ruled that they could not, the WFA simply ruled that they could not, they would not play any more games in Canada, so the Blitz decided that they would, decide that they would leave. Well, I mean, they don't, they I don't even, even think they had a choice. choice. It looked
1: that's like they didn't said, even have a choice. Yeah, that's
0: what I'm saying. Because and this the IWFL, was,
1: the, the IWFL is not on the East Coast. Uh, I don't think the US uh, USWFL is going to take that sh- off that uh, intangible either. Actually, the USWFL the
0: is hoping to talk with the Blitz. But you know what? I think the most likely destination for them is one of two destinations. Either they're going to play as an independent, or they are going to, or they are going to join the, or they're going to switch to playing Canadian football and join the Maritime Women's Football League. Those are the teams in the Atlantic provinces of Canada. Three teams in New Brunswick and one in Nova Scotia. Let me tell you, a game between the Montreal Blitz and the St. John Storm would be a dream matchup of mine. Now,
1: you really think they'd go to the Maritime? Because I know the uh, Western Canadian uh, Football League is way too far out for them even because of travel costs. But uh, Newfoundland up there is, is a lot closer to Montreal. So do you really think they'll as shift said, over the, to the NWFL? The
0: Western, yes, I was not talking about the Western Canada League. That's The, the Western League is the, teams, the league of teams in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. The Maritime One is the team in the Atlantic provinces east of Canada, close to Montreal. I think they're going to – so I really think that's the league they're most likely going to join because it's going to be easier. The travel distances will be about the same as they were in the WFA, plus it will be, be all within Canada – it's going to be a win-win for both the league and the team.
1: Now, Montreal joins the uh, Maritime. That literally elevates that that this team to way higher level. I think in a lot of ways. So competition is going to be way, uh, like you said, St. John versus Montreal will be the key matchup.
0: Yes, it will, because St. John Storm have been dominating. This have been absolutely the, the absolute the absolute most dominant team. In and all, in all that league there. Yeah, Although, we'll see where they think, land. Yes, we will. I'm saying they either go, as said, again, as I said, they're either going MWFL or independent. I'm guess is Mike. I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's a shift on there. Um, so the WFA transition here, hoping for an ESPN three deal. That's what we get, we're getting out of the message, or the you know the breaking news today and so um, at this point I mean uh, we have to wait and see if that every, even happens um, so what do you think of WFA right now in terms of the offseason um, is there some favorites here obviously Dallas Elite in transition changes with a couple players not, no longer there but I'm pretty sure they're probably going to stay at the same level then you have the Divas in offseason mode you got Boston who are, uh, has done a tremendous job uh, transitioning from the previous owner to the current team-owned mentality, so you got to give the, the Renegades credit in terms of business savvy and keeping the, uh, the franchise afloat.
0: Yes, I, yes I do. Because let me tell you, I was at that W. Bowl game there. The way that the fan base the Renegades brought there, because because their part of the, part of the sidelines was really that was some. That was a lot of fun that they would have, that you would, that you'd see them having, because some of them, because they were even able to get some of the patriot, some of the patriots, um, musk, touch end zone militia people there, for their for their games. They brought them to that game there. I loved how I loved it where, how every time the every time the renegades got a touchdown, they fire the they would fire the muskets there. So.
1: And then so the, some... the, uh, the Renegades are still very competitive. So it's not like, you know, they're, they've lost a step or anything. They're, they're pretty much pretty competitive now. So it's just a matter of, you know, a couple players here and there, and they, they're pretty much all the time in terms of competition. So um, there's new teams that were added, um, Burmee, uh, Can you tell, tell the fans here? Six new teams were added in the WFA. So um, can you uh, kind of go through those?
0: Actually, I'm. Actually, I think it's maybe more than that at this point. That's maybe more than that at this point. Let's just check the. Let me just check the team. Let me just check those.
1: I think the WFA is in almost there, every they've already state. Added, almost every like they've state added, now, right?
0: Um, um, uh, not every state now, but as I was saying, as I was going to say, they were added nine. They've added They've added nine new teams for 2018 thus far.
1: So we have, as far as I can tell, you have um, Huntsville revived in uh, in Alabama, where the Alabama Fire was last year, if I'm correct.
0: Well, they the found... Alabama Fire, the Alabama Hunts, the Huntsville Tigers, they never suspended operations. The Alabama Fire have they... been saying that they have been have been saying they've said they've said that they plan to resume play in 2018, though I haven't seen an official announcement from the WFA. I really hope they do indeed come back there because that season was nobody expected them to be contenders right away, but they were. And I think. They,
1: yeah, and, and we talked to um, April uh, Chrysler um, talking about how they would love to have Alabama back, uh, especially against the uh, Atlanta Phoenix.
0: Well, they're gonna. That was that would be quite a matchup there. That was actually quite an upset. I remember when when I saw the. I saw Alabama beat the Phoenix last year. Yeah,
1: we don't know. We have no team in Illinois as we speak of today, as as we stay today, right? No Illinois team that we know of nope. at this
0: point. No Illinois team so that, there, but if you'd like me to, I could tell you about the teams which did join. All right, let's,
1: let's rock with that.
0: Okay, well, first, uh, first team to join was the Knoxville Lightning who came over from the IWFL in their affiliates division came over there because they, because a couple in 2016 they made it all the way to the affiliate bowl where they lost to the Maine Mayhem who also joined the WFA last year and made it to the D3 playoffs so now the the Lightning they're going to be one they're going to be one of the big contenders for the D3 national championship then yeah. You got, it, go ahead. Sorry about that. Why was it? Because I was wanting to know whether we could talk about all these teams. Then there was the San Diego. Then there's that was the San Diego Rebellion. That was a team which was comprised of. That was a team which, which Kenanji Martin and Katie Ott of the had started up this new team which was joining the WFA, which would take the place, which was ensure the WFA stayed in the San Diego market there, there. because they're doing San Diego market. Then they're going to have a, they're going to be in D- division two as well. Then we had, then came the day which I was called on to write the press releases for the six new teams, six other new teams, which were drawing all in one day. First, we had last year's IWFL founders bowl champion, Colorado freeze come over to the WFA the, I'm, hope, I'm hoping to get to one of that in-city rivalry game they have with the Mile High Blaze. Then we have the then we have the the team from actually from my home market, for, actually from my town team, the Wisconsin Dragons, are coming back from W to the WFA after a five-year hiatus. So they resuming play again. Right, D two. Then you have the then there was the Roswell Destroyers from Roswell, New Mexico. Yep, that city where where the U F which had the UFO landing back in 47 and and got became famous for that. And they they won the 2016 NMAFL Championship and have actually gone and have and so are looking forward to to resume starting the brand new rivalries with the with La Muerte de las Cruces and resuming their old rivalry with the Santa Fe Dukes. Then, was the Columbus, then there was the Columbus Vanguards, who came over a team from Columbus, Indiana. They're assuring, assuring that women's football stays in the state of Indiana, follow, even though while the Indy Crash are suspending are suspending play for 2018. The Vanguards, even though they're the smallest market in the WFA, they have so much heart to them. I hope to come out to one of their games next season. Then, there was the, then we have the Savannah Hurricanes Hurricanes with a Z bringing WFA back to Savannah after the Savannah Sabres played a few years there. They're looking like they could be contenders for the D3 national title. Then there's the Grand Rapids Tsunami who are going to ensure that the WFA stays in West Michigan because the mayhem have not been hurt for a while and they may or may not have folded. So they're so the tsunami are going to be big contenders in D3, and finally the women's finally women's football they, is coming to the to the Magnolia State with the Mississippi Royalty based in Hattiesburg. That's a brand new team which I had been in talks with, and, and I and I say I actually they actually wanted to talk with me. I let them know about WFA. They signed up, and now they're coming on board.
1: Is that all the teams? Those
0: the teams so far. Yep.
1: All right. So it's pretty pretty exciting that they're adding teams to it. We're, we're going to see how that affects the whole structure. Uh, makes them stronger, too, because, um, you know, like Division Two is getting to be very, very good, uh, just like Division One. You had Myhal Blaze, uh, pretty good team last year. Um, so pretty impressive there. And so um, we'll see, if, you know, how that turns out. But overall, Adding a couple more teams to this to the whole picture, kind of replacing what they've lost in a way, and just kind of keeping to the same.
0: Yep, I think the WFA is going to be just is going to be just fine there because there, as many teams as made the, as are that made the move, there are many there are other teams that are staying put there. That's the be, That's one of the benefits of having these teams these that three divisions set up. As a matter of fact, in their press release, there they said the one principle under which they were founded was that they didn't they didn't want to have to because they didn't want teams who won the won championships to have to pay for their trophies and all that.
1: Yeah, so that's a good sign and a good move. Um, so progress is being made there in terms of distribution, which we had talked about before about being transparent with you know what you get in, what, you, what the players get out. Sort of like what Christina Carrillo was talking about when by shifting over to the IWFL and restructuring the IWFL as well. So that makes sense there. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be kind of nice to see. I, I was just hoping that they would have the championship like in the middle of the country instead of all the way in Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Because the travel costs would be so much less for all teams, especially the Western.
0: Well, H- you know, well, them. here it is. That's why I really see where you're coming from. I, there are so many seats which I hope can host the WFA National Championship. But the reason, the reason why it is where it is, two words, Franco Harris. When you have a big name no, like that, charge, supporting your, when you have a big name like that, giving his, giving his full endorsement and helping being the main face of your weekend, that's something you want to hang on to.
1: No, I, I agree, but uh, it, it just becomes a travel issue with certain teams. If you're on the East Coast, you make the playoffs, not so much of a trip, but if you're on the West Coast, Midwest, kind of a costly trip. So, um, but the, there is some some compensation as uh, the uh, announcement was that they were going to try to help out the teams that way too. So, so that's a benefit there to make the you know make the playoffs and get some uh, kickback from the league to kind of support you to for that journey and that trip.
0: That is going to be good yes, that will be. Yes that is going to be yes that is going to be something something to see I am really looking i honestly I am very much looking forward to next to this next season and there are so many places which I have said that i would be that I'd be doing my best to get to but unfortunately, there are only ten weeks in the season. I wish there were much more
1: oh yeah for sure um, since we got you on here uh, michael let's Let's talk international scene because there's still play in international scene and we talk about it all the time. So let's go to Unfortunately, I have not
0: been able to cover the internationals as much on my page this year as I would like to. But as soon as we finish up uh, this call, I'm going to get to that, caught up on that.
1: Oh, uh, don't worry about it. Um, I'll have you stay on for me here for a little bit. Um, Troy, unfortunately, had to uh, leave on an emergency. So we hope everything's okay and all that. But um, we've got Queensland know. right now. Since we're we're going into that route, uh, we got one one week left in the Queensland uh, season. We have the Ray, Bayside Ravens nine and one, Stingrays eight and one. So pretty much, they are, two those two teams have secured their playoff spots. Um, so there's a, a the Thunder. This past week there were some forfeits because of player injuries. So the Ravens won by forfeit versus the Spartans. Spartans are zero and nine, and unfortunately they did not have enough players to field the team. So they get their forfeit win. The Rhinos against the Thunder, same case for Brisbane. They had no, not enough players, so there's, there's a cancellation there. The Thunder get the win. They move themselves to third place in the standings at 4-4-1. Four, four, uh, they obviously can't secure a playoff spot this coming week, uh, the last week of the season. They will play the Spartans. So, I don't know if the Spartans will forfeit once again this next week. If that's the case, then obviously the Thunder gets the uh, third to secure. Uh, the Rhinos, I don't know if they're going to field another team here, uh, enough players to field the team against the Jets because the fourth playoff spot in the standings is up for grabs. So, it's the battle for the last playoff position spot in Queensland. The last time they met was in week three, and the um, the Rhinos won eight, 20 to 6 against the Jets, Jets' former champions in this league. Uh, both teams are 3-6-0, and oh, so there's an opportunity there for one of them going to make the playoffs. So, uh, Michael, this is pretty pretty tight race here for the last playoff spot in Queensland, so exciting football down under.
0: Yep, that's going to Yes, that is there, because the same place for how many playoffs four playoff spots, right?
1: Yeah. There's four, four slots, three pretty much Guess already. It is going to be.
0: Obviously I am given how the ride I just, I'm hoping for the rhinos, I'm hoping the rhinos can get the last playoff spot. Cause you know, I just love, I just, you know, I just love rhinos. They're my, fa- my favorite wild animal out there. So
1: if this is historic, right, if the rhinos make and earn the last playoff spot, uh, Coach Turlock, Lon Turlock, the first female coach in Queensland, would also earn a playoff berth. So, pretty historic.
0: That, yes, yes, it would be truly, his, truly historic. And we're going to see if they can make, and hopefully they would be it. I just, and I also would hope that they have a Cinderella run in them, should they make the playoffs. Yeah, run? I don't
1: know, but uh, it's that would be awesome news to have that. Um, you know, first year coaching the Brisbane and then actually make the playoffs as well. So there's opportunity for uh, Brisbane to step up against Logan City Jets, which the Jets have been here. The Jets um, are two-time champions in 2012 and 2014. They have a 2-1 record in the su- Summer Bowl final. And so they know about championships, Ella Briscoe out there. They, the Jets know that it's a must-win game for them against the Rhinos if they want to uh, continue on their uh, franchise historic, you know, results, which is basically making the playoffs almost every year and going into a finals. So uh, last year uh, it was um, the the Jets who uh, basically made the run, but they got edged 28 to 22. It was an exciting game. Um, And so uh, against Gold Coast Stingrays. So we'll see if the the Jets will uh, last week of the season, see if they're going to turn that around and uh, win, or it will be the surprising Brisbane who will knock off the Jets for the last playoff spot. So pretty exciting times in Queensland. Week 12 coming up, the slate is Brisbane versus Logan City for the battle for the last playoff position, and then the Spartans against the Thunder. Thunder uh, would either get a forfeit win if the Spartans don't go, or they would have to contest, obviously, for third place. So these three teams battling for the last third and fourth spot in the playoffs. It's pretty exciting out there. Then we have Great grid, uh, Iron New South Wales as well. Great Iron New South Wales. Uh, the Raiders pretty much have owned the season. They're 7-0 and 0. They're undefeated. Uh, they're giving up pretty much not much points here. They're giving up about 12 points a game. So defensively they're really good. Offensively they're at 186 to 62. So they're pretty much the best team in New South Wales, and they have the champs, the defending champs. Uh, then Northwest, Northwestern Phoenix, the runner-up from last year, they're 4-1-1. One, one. Then you got the Ag Diamonds at 2-1-3. Utah, uh, I mean, UTS Gators 1-0-5. Uh, the North Sydney Rebels 1-0-6. So they're uh, basically under, they only won one game on those sides. So Week 9 results, Ag Diamonds lost to the Raiders, 28-6. to The Rebels lost to Northwestern Phoenix, 12-8. to uh, We're coming up week week 10, November 11th. It is the Phoenix taking on UTS Gators. It, it must win. Big matchup for UTS if they want to stay and move up into the standings a little bit. Here, the top four teams usually will make the playoffs, and the final two will go into the Opal Bowl. Uh, the Rebels... Versus Act Diamonds. Act Diamonds, uh, who lost the uh, Act Great Iron title to Central Spears, shifted over to this league for the remainder of the season, and they've done pretty well. So they're two, one, and three. They're in third. They have a third position spot. So if they win here against the Rebels, that would put them at three, uh, two and one, or three and one and three. So it would be a good slate for them to kind of move forward. And then Week 11, which is November 18th. Um, that's going to be the, the decision for the playoffs. Looks like the uh, rematch will be Phoenix versus Raiders, um, and that's the last year's um, matchup. And then it's Act Diamonds taking on Gators. So, uh, Michael here, pretty much the Raiders have it in the bag in terms of going back to the finals. So it's really a matter of between Phoenix and the Diamonds, uh, a battle between them two as to who's going to end up in third and making the, you know, making the playoffs. And then try to see if we can get to the championship here.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah but, uh, that, that, that will be some, those will be some, some truly exciting times there. That's why I would really like to, that's why I would really like to get together That. That's why I would like to, hoping after we finish this, being on the show, I'm hoping to start catching up on my coverage of this game.
1: Yeah, you can always get all the rundown at Great Iron Beauty on Facebook and on uh, Great Iron Beauty on Twitter. So all the rundowns there. So we got uh, awesome news coming up here. I got uh, news and notes from Europe still. But before we do that, um, Michael, the Indiana Girls Tackle Football League, and you talked about the Indy Crush doing some things. On November 18th in this month, uh, we have a junior and a senior squad from the Manitoba Girls Football Association representatives they're going to be in mooresville indiana this will be the first uh historic uh high school uh, kind of like a battle of so uh it's a, it's a battle between u.s and canada at the high school level so high school girls for two from two different countries uh this is the first time it's ever happened so we are going to have uh the manitoba girls football association will go up against the indiana girls tackle football league So that's – how awesome is that? That's pretty awesome.
0: Yes, it is. That is – anytime you see a game with these international implications, that is going to be – that is something amazing.
1: So the juniors are uh, fifth and eighth graders, and the seniors are ninth to twelfth graders. Squads are going to be fielded up. um, So we're looking forward to that matchup and uh, see how that works out. Uh, but uh, pretty exciting news there. The other news that broke out that Harley wasn't here to talk about this week, but December 2nd, it's, the minor league football is going to showcase a Hall of Fame game in Las Vegas on December 2nd, and it will include uh, football um, legends on both sides of the IWFL and WFA, East versus West, and more of a Hall of Fame matchup. There are a lot of players are coming from all over the country. We have not been able to uh, acquire the rosters yet in terms of what names will be on each side's roster. So I'm pending information from them in terms of finalizing the registration for who's going to show up in Las Vegas for that event. But very huge event coming up December 2nd.
0: Yes, it is going to be really huge. I'm also hoping to find out who's going to be, who all is going to be on the rosters because I'm ready – because I'm I'm actually considering flying out there.
1: Yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting. I mean, if you you got a lot of names, and hopefully we get some legends mentioned in there and some uh, up-and-coming stars as well from both leagues. So from what I hear, it's a lot of players. I mean, on each side, we're looking at over, over 40 players on each side. So that's going to be a pretty awesome event there to, to have it together for December 2nd in Las Vegas. Um, yeah. The other thing that happened is, LexFa week four, week five, so you can get the rundown on on our Twitter feed at Gridiron Beauty. You can follow LexFa at LexFa on Twitter. You can also get the rundown on our uh, Facebook page. So um, week uh, week four and week five, um, we'll get you updated on there in terms of LexFa in Mexico, also FX Mexico in action as well, and we'll touch base on that. I believe that's week four, so we'll get you updated in terms of some of the results that happened in Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and Division IV, um, that's happening there. Um, but uh, the Bitter's Bowl, uh, the Rose Bowl, in uh, Czechoslovakia, in the Czech Republic, uh, November 11th, it is, the final has been set. The Brno Amazons will be taking on the Prague Black Cats. Um, this is a big time. Brno uh, Amazons going here for a three-peat. So let's see if they can get that. Craig, uh, Black Hats looking for their second championship. Uh, they've won before here in this league, so it's set November 11th. Bitter's uh, World's Bowl three. That's going to be in the Czech Republic. So, uh, for me, this is a pretty awesome league. It's only three years old, and they've done really, really well. And uh, that has to that has to be exciting over there because a lot of their players did come to the World Football Games to learn and to get educated, and now they're some of them have taken back to their homeland and they obviously become coaches as well with the traditional men's team. So pretty exciting.
0: Yep, that is good. It's very, really exciting there. It's exciting when playoff time comes around there. That is why, as I said, I'm, should be, I'm going to be posting a lot more about these things going, going forward there and about who else There, and both the recaps they're in. Cause those are going to, because unfortunately, I really want to apologize for not having done a lot for my international fans this offseason, like I was hoping to. But I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get that caught up there.
1: Don't worry about it. We got you covered, and if you need help, let us know. We'll we'll work it out as well because we got a huge network of awesome people that obviously cover all that. And then we can't forget about the Austrian league in play as well. And it's going the the uh, Viking the Dacia Viking ladies. They're five and zero right now. Uh, the, Dra- uh, the Danube Dra- uh, Lady Dragons are four and one. The Budapest Wolves are three and two. The Hammer Ladies from Schwartz are two and three. The Telf, uh, Telf Patriots are one and four, and the Grants uh, Ladies Giants are zero oh and five. Their season still in contention. One week left. Next week, the big clash. It will be one versus two for the final regular season game. The playoffs <coughs> will start after okay. that. So you're looking at. Basically, top four teams pretty much make the playoffs. Also, so lady uh, Viking ladies, five zero taking on the Dragons, four one. Big class coming up this weekend, and then uh, Budapest and Schwarzhammers, uh, the last two positions there in terms of the playoff spot. So that's going to be pretty awesome to follow as well. So we'll keep you updated also on our Facebook page and on our Twitter feed. So uh, a lot of news internationally, Michael. That a lot of people don't get to don't get to. Uh, you know, kind of read up on, but American football is now pretty much on every continent globally, so pretty awesome
0: yep, really awesome Here.
1: so you get to follow that um I'm pretty excited uh the Brazilian championship happened on october twenty eighth and uh, who would have thought that there was an actual championship in Brazil? But this past season, it's the third annual, almost three years in Brazil, that they have had women's tackle football. So, Flumincia, uh Cariocas uh, won the title there and uh, with 16 players. Can you believe that, Michael? They took 16 players to Sinope. Sinope had a full squad of almost 45 players, and they ended up winning the championship. That's awesome. They had to play on both sides of the ball.
0: That is just totally awesome. Yeah.
1: That's, that's a huge sacrifice, don't you think? You take 16 players. That's almost like taking the Arkansas Wildcats oh, taking on the oh, Dallas yes Elite. Oh yes, I. You know,
0: what I, was thinking, that's, that's... I would compare the one thing I would compare that to was was back when the Arkansas Wildcats had that little had what it was believed to be the WFA's smallest roster. Players made that 32-hour trip to Southern Oregon, the one all the way to the National championship. Came home at came home with the title. So. Oh.
1: No, I know. Is not that great? It's like what they had 12 players, it sure right? Is. they have like they only had a dozen players. That's uh oh, yes, you got to give hat to talk to them. And and they went from west coast to east and still won it and punched it in. That's got to say a lot about all those players on the Arkansas Wildcats.
0: Yes it does.
1: A lot of dedication and uh they finally make, and they finally get the championship. So uh pretty awesome there. Uh, Michael, before we go, we got uh, 20 minutes. Let's talk NFL. If you want to talk NFL with me, because Troy's uh, obviously not going to come back, so we can talk NFL uh, and kind of chime into some things that are going on in the NFL. So, um, are you surprised, Michael, the Eagles are doing so well with Carson Wentz?
0: I am. That is going to be. That is uh, That is something great to see there. But, but remember, we are going to have to wait. There's still half a season left to be played there because. I remember back in ninety four when the Eagles started seven and two and they lost their last seven games. What is that?
1: You're thinking the Philly curse will return?
0: I'm not thinking so, but I'm just I'm saying but I'm just saying that I wanna I wanna see how further this how this further goes there because I really want the Eagles to win in particular because one of my because even though he's on injured reserve, one of my high school, one of my high school classmates, in fact, his mom was my health teacher. Chris Marigos, is on the Eagles. here
2: oh, And wow. also
0: because, and also because, Brett Favre's longtime backup, Doug Peterson, is the head coach of them, and I really want to see him. This, and I'm glad to see that he's doing well as coach there.
1: For me, it, it, are the Eagles the best team in the NFL right now? In your eyes, are they the best team in the NFL right now?
0: I would say it's pretty. It's pretty. It's kind of hard to say right. Say right now. I think this is the most parity which the NFL has had in quite some time there because you got teams which nobody was expect. Not a lot of people were expecting to be in first place in the NFC's respective divisions are on top of the respective divisions. The Eagles are in first place in the NFC East. Vikings for, are first in the NFC North. Saints are first in the NFC South. The, the LA Rams are first in the NFC West. So yes, yep, the been a LA lot of Rams. Things.
1: You know I'm a happy camper, right? Six and two.
0: Yes, I love I this
1: coach, Barmy. I love this coach. What Fisher couldn't do, this guy's this guy's gonna do in one season. This is just I don't know. It's Coach
0: McVay is just looks like pretty like pretty motivated. Jared, he finally he finally was able to get finally was able to get, get Jared Goff after Goff was at finally able to produce and show that he show that he can carry the team there. And also Todd Gurley. I think he's had running back look, caliber of Todd Gurley should be a should be a perennial contender
1: all right uh, Burmy what do you think of the Steelers the rank three they have them ranked number three what do you think of the Steelers here they were off in week nine which means that uh, Roethlisberger had extra time to figure out why he's you know obviously uh, off this season he hasn't played that great but offensively um, uh, they you know the, the the team has played somewhat well but uh, Le'Veon Bell hasn't been as exciting as last year. So, what do you think of the Steelers?
0: I personally think that the Steelers, they are one of the teams which I would say is benefiting. I think they're benefiting from the AFC North being the weakest that's been in quite some time there. Because
1: the. a. you don't think the Browns are going to make a run? I'm just
0: kidding. Honestly. <laughs> Well, I think that, the, honestly, the Browns are just going to, at this point, I think the Browns just focus on making sure they don't go 0-16, as should the 49ers.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm with you on that. Cause <laughs> I think the Niners are, uh, what are they, Cleveland, Browns, West. That's what I've been saying all season. <laughs> Cleveland, Browns, West. Oh, boy. And
0: and, and it's a shame, to see, that, several years, that just a few years ago, they were one of the big contenders of the league. Brand new stadium. Oh, yeah. the, team gonna, the team was ready to build team was ready to get back to the glory days and all of a sudden the bottom's falling out
1: entirely. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Patriots we all knew the Patriots gonna be here, right? I mean they started off pretty slow and all of a sudden now we're back they're six and two. Uh they get back if they get back Gronk at hundred uh, percent, it just does it surprise you that they're here. Or is this just New England, the same New England every year, a year in, year out? They're pretty consistent.
0: I personally think that this is the same. This is the same that's going in there, but I feel like, but I also feel like they're going to have. They have a bit of a sense of urgency because I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know how much longer this can keep going on. How much longer is Tom Brady going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league? He says that he's going to. He said. Because note famously said that he's not that he's going to play as he's going he's going to keep playing as long as he's good, and then when he starts sucking, then he's then he'll retire.
1: Uh, Bernie Garra Gar- 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 Polo or uh, he gets traded to San Francisco.
0: Oh, no, uh, do you think? Bad, bad, no, 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 bad, bad move, bad move. It's not gonna. I honestly think it's too late for. It was too late to do anything. I so feel sorry for him. I sort of wish the the Patriots had made a good offer, to trade him to a team which is on the borderline. Which is if the season ended today, they would be, they'd be out of the playoffs. But the season doesn't end today, so they would go. So they should be. So he, they would need a little boost to get into that playoff mode. There, that's where I hope he would have. Go, hope he would have gone.
1: Bernie, the Niners have no front line to defend or cover. And and he decides to go there, it just blows my mind. You know what I mean? Just, uh, why would you go there? <laughs> You're going to get beat down. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. And then Brian Warrior. what do you think of Brian Warrior? Brian Horner gets, let's go in San Francisco and ends up, I think, in New England, right?
0: Right. But they, the question is going to be, but the question will be this there is that do they, Patriots, honestly, they, I don't know if Brian Hoyer has the takes to they need to look and draft in mode the guy acquisition bonus picking to draft some a young a young quarterback in the draft they need to build someone up to be Tom Brady's successor.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying is if you're Brian Hoyer, you just went from an 0 and 9 team to a competitive 6 and 2 team <laughs> on a swap.
0: Well, he I honestly would say that actually I I can't be bad at him cuz he's going to be a bench because that that is the big dilemma. Would you rather be the starter on the on a team on an O eight team or the bench warmer on a team on the defending Super Bowl champs who like who very well could win it again?
1: Yeah, I, I think I would take the bench warmer. I, I take the easy money. Exactly. To sit right behind the legend. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: exactly. Why cause not? Because honestly, because it's actually worked in reverse too. I remember when my Packers won won Super Bowl thirty one. Bowl 31, Brett Favre's there. Our backup, our backup quarterback, Jim McMahon. <laughs> yeah, still, I remember uh, that. Good laugh there. <laughs> it yeah. was still. I still um, think it was kind of funny that the one who, the one who they, who was the quarterback with the Bears won their only Super Bowl there, and that he's now he's and he was the only one, and he was the only Packer player who had ever won a Super Bowl before for that team there. <laughs> Wow,
1: that's funny. That's really funny. Um, uh, Burmy,
0: Drew Brees, uh, we all
1: sort of at the beginning of the season, we're like, uh, you know, is he going to be like high caliber or is he going to just weigh off? But the the Saints have put six wins in a row here. Uh, You know, and so it's like, are they going up now or should we just wait and see at this point? Or what do we say about Drew Brees and the Saints?
0: Personally, I think that the ball. Vol- of all the first place teams there in the NFC, I would honestly think that they're the most likely to be for real because this team—they've been the top four, they've won a Super Bowl before. I think the veteranship and the experience is going to work in their favor.
1: So, what do we say of the Vikings? It's six and two. They've had the quarterback dilemma, Terry Bridgewater, and then you had, um, you know, Bradford. And so, I mean, what, what what do you say of the Vikings at this point?
0: Well, they should just be great. They should just be grateful that Bridgewater, Bridgewater's recovering and Bradford, Bradford's healthy. That's the quarterback sort of dilemma you want to have, not the one my Packers have right now.
1: <laughs> Hundley, you're not a Hundley fan, is everything? I,
0: I and I was I was the biggest believer. I was the biggest believer in Hundley. I was telling everyone to give him a chance there, and that he was going to have his breakout game really soon. Two days later, had that, and a bye week, still nothing.
1: Yeah. Um, Bernie, I mean, what do you think of the Jaguars? They've been, like, up and down like a pinball. Five, you know, they they win one week, big, and then they go down another week, and then they get edged in a week, and then they go up and down. Uh, I mean, this Jaguars team is just kind of like you can't – I mean, Blake Boros is not that consistent, in other words, and losing their main receiver kind of hurt them too, but – They've been up and down, up and down, been up and down. It's like, what do you think of the Jaguars? They're 5-3 and three at this point.
0: I really – let me tell you first off, the Jaguars are my favorite AFC team there because that all goes back to a contest I won with the scoring predictions there where I actually got an autographed program and a media guide from them. So this – so you – so I've been a – I've been a fan of them ever since I'm real – I of course am really hoping that this is this is the year there for real because I remember way back then when they were just they were brand new expansion team, but they were all but they were they were always right, but I knew but I had a feeling the Super Bowl that them winning the Super Bowl was going to be imminent, but nothing came. They came about once it came playoff time they just followed pressure especially I was I was think they were my I still remember back in two thousand. I was really riding high on that train, especially after they got that seventy point shutout there against the Dolphins. What would what would be Dan Marino's final game? That would be as good. That was. I'm really hoping that they end up that they find some bit of stability, because because let me tell you, especially when you're t- the team they're tied with is their arch rivals, the Tennessee Titans, and the fact and honestly, so they're gonna. Right ship because because I see Marcus Mar- Marcus Mariota is more of a playoff caliber quarterback than Blake Bortles right now.
1: I tend to agree with that assessment. I, I really do because Jacksonville, even though they've won some good games and they're they have a decent record, they just don't seem like to be very consistent. You know, so um, Michael, the Cowboys are they in disarray because of the, of this Ezekiel Elliott? Yes, he's going to be off. No, he's going to be on. And then this past weekend, both Des and Terrence Williams uh, looked like they were injured. So, uh, are we looking at the Cowboys? They're five and three. Do we? They're going to go on a on a, on a bad slide here because of their playmakers not being available.
0: The fact, well, I honest, I think I personally, if any team I could see going on a bit of a I could see going on a slide there. It would, it would, it would very likely be them because they were, because I don't know if, I don't know if you just because one of these days somebody's gonna, one of these day because one of these days that suspension is somebody's gonna make that suspension stick out there, and honestly, honestly, if you just not if they, I started in ret- in hindsight, I just wondered what the point of all of these multiple multiple appeals was because had it been served there, it would have been over served over and done with. They would have just moved on.
1: And we can't can't forget uh, the the tragedy. We can't forget the tragedy in Texas this week with the shootings and stuff. So prayers out to those uh, folks out there and the family members and um, just a, just a tragedy, Um, you know, and like, like I said, you know, one loony, one loony and that's all it takes is one loony to go off the wall and, Unfortunately, you know, not everybody that has a weapon. I always tell people the weapon isn't the problem. The problem is the human. And apparently, if the human isn't stable, you get to a state where this kind of crap
0: and rem- happens. And remember, and, that and guy life, was life dishonorably discharged. Was dishonorably discharged from the U.S. Air Force. He should not no, have right. had that gun in the first place. There, the problem Correct. was. The problem is not laws. The problem is that the judges aren't in fort. Is it the ones on the books aren't being enforced, because if they were right. in that case, then it's my saved.
1: Yeah, and that's why I'm saying. It's an oversight. It's a whatever you want to call it, but the end result is tragic, and that's heartbreaking for a lot of folks. So uh, prayer is out to Texas, and hopefully, uh, you know, we – and all I can say is, you know, we're with them, and uh, hopefully things will get better if for those that are injured and get back to normal, and for those that obviously – Lost their lives and their families. We pray for their uh, their loss. Um, uh, Michael is, is are the are the Chiefs the team to beat then in the AFC? Are they the team to beat? Everybody would say the Patriots, but are the Chiefs the team to beat?
0: I would honestly, I would honestly say that if any, I would, I would honestly say that the, I would honestly say that it would be between. Remember that early season match, that kickoff game matchup? I actually – all I can say is I predict that's going to be the – that's to, that that was an AFC championship game preview.
1: Right. I agree. And do you think Seattle's dropped off? Michael, do you think the Seahawks have dropped off now at this point? I mean, they're not the threat that they were before. So do you feel like maybe the Seahawks have dropped off too?
0: I honestly – it's it is way too soon to tell because remember we're still only halfway through the season so time will tell whether the Rams are able to keep their whether the Rams are able to keep the hot streak going which they have right now I'm actually I'm really hoping they do because they that's going because that will be a major boost to attendance therein because the NFL because thus far and hopefully it'll get fans to come out there to games there because let me tell you something. Attendance in L.A. has not been has not been what anybody wanted there in L.A. between the Rams and the Chargers, especially
1: the Chargers. My Rams are doing great yeah, because, compared to last year. This is a great season.
0: Yes, it is. Hopefully, but the problem is the fans, but the prob, but the one problem which still remains is that everyone I've talked to in L.A. has said. They L A doesn't want the Chargers there. Because we, we've that, I think the, Chargers,
1: the Chargers should have stayed in San Diego, found a way. The owner had money, everything, uh, you know, should have been right there in San Diego. But they, San- the owner, decided to go north, and so if anybody hurt the franchise and the fan base, obviously the owner did.
0: Yes, he did, because the San Diego faithful was re- was ready to support the. T- was ready to support the team up and down there but the owner but the owner got pretty but but the owner said he wanted he had a he proposed a package on the ballot for a stadium which was so grandiose and we knew nobody was going to approve so on the ballot and it got defeated sounds Michael
1: Michael if you're a Jets fan you got to be totally happy that the that the Giants stink right and then on Thursday you end up beating the Bills So uh, should we be more disappointed with the way the Bills played or should we be more excited about how the Jets won?
0: I think we should be more more excited about how the Jets won because this year's Buffalo Bills team is the best. They are the best Buffalo Bills team I have seen in quite some time. If the season ended today, they would be making the playoffs for the first time since the 99-2000 season. Their last playoff game, of course, being against the Titans and ending with the famous Music City Miracle.
1: But uh, Michael, they got a road ahead. Uh, next week they get Drew Brees. Then after that they get Philip Rivers. Then after that they get Alex Smith. <laughs> then after that they get Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if you're a Buffalo fan right now, uh, I don't know if you should you, you should be scared, right? Because that's gonna be pretty tough.
0: Right? I'm guessing that the Bills fans are going to wish that the NFL had massive ratings at that point.
1: <laughs> good one. I love that. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> but I'm just saying you've got to be scared, right? If you're a Bills fan right now, you're going up against Breeze. Then you go against Rivers. Uh, against the Chargers, i think it's a winnable game. Against the Saints, uh, they've been playing pretty good the last six weeks here, so that could be a loss. Then against the Chiefs, Unless they really, really step up to the plate, you're looking at a loss. And then against the Patriots, similar, but they played the Patriots pretty well in years past, too. Even though they got beat, they've played pretty well. But it's a tough, tough uh, next, uh, what, four weeks for the Bills. If you're a Bills fan, you're kind of like probably chewing your uh, your nails at this point.
0: Yes, I, am at... yes, I imagine that they would. Imagine it would be as as I sort of am am right now hoping, because as I start, as I as a Packers fan am doing right now.
1: Hey Michael, um, as, were you surprised that Washington went beat Seattle, even yeah. though they were banged up?
0: Yes, I, I I yes I am really surprised surprised there because I just don't. But but of course we've seen. This year we have seen prime ex- – this honestly is simply – is just a prime example of the Roselle rule in effect. It's too soon to tell whether it's anything more or anything less.
1: All right. So, Burmy, in your backyard, uh, are you, like, excited that the Lions are 4-4? Four four?
0: I just wish that – I just wish that that game had not been – that that last night's game, please don't talk. I I don't really want to hear any more about last night's game. Because <laughs> All right, so I won't
1: throw Matthew Stafford's uh, – I don't think you're having a – you don't have those phone fingers for Matthew Stafford, right? You don't have a phone finger that says, I love Matthew Stafford?
0: <laughs> I'm just hoping that – we're just – at this point, I was just confused. Of, although the Packers do have a – do have a – we have a somewhat easy schedule there because we play the Bears because because we play the Bears again next week. Then then the Ravens, which could be a, they they could be winnable games there. But then we got cause we don't, because we know not because presuming that Rodgers is indeed out for the season, there. Let's say that yeah. We, I don't know
1: if he's going to come back. Do you think he's coming back, or do, are we done? You, what's your gut telling you?
0: Well, honestly, I think that they're gonna find a. He's gonna find a way to heal up. He's gonna find a way to heal up there. Given how our how dire our straits are right now, there, I honestly thought with the, with Hundley we were gonna be doing just fine. But,
1: but seriously, yeah, it hasn't gone it hasn't gone the way that we thought, thought it was
0: how gonna how go. We almost never lose to the Lions at Lambeau Field.
1: No, I agree with you. I, I, I kind of sense you're frustrated, uh, but uh, reality is reality, so that's how it works out. Um, Mike, we've got three minutes here. Uh, thanks for sticking around uh, in uh, Troy's absence. Really appreciate you coming on to the show. Always excited to talk to you, talk about women's football and regular NFL football as well. So, um, like I said, you're welcome anytime to chime in. And I want to thank uh, Brooke Leach uh, for coming on, for being our guest today. On the on the great Iron blitz, an amazing, amazing young lady who uh, played for the Titans this, and took them to the playoffs. Plus, so had a great season in her high school season. So, uh, I don't know about me, pretty, pretty awesome young lady there.
0: Yep, she is outstanding. Yep, as I said, she is going to she is going to be the future of this sport. She's going to light up this game. I really wish I would have gotten to meet her when the Really wish I would have gotten to meet her at this one of those games there when the when the Vixen were hosting Titans, but unfortunately that goes with the game where she got injured, so
1: Yeah. But uh she's a trooper, she's a rebound and uh she's doing really good, so very, very proud of her yeah. and uh, we look forward to two thousand eighteen as the Titans uh try to compete in you know, for another playoff position, especially with her at the helm. So we'll see how she does in year two. Um Mike, thanks for making the time today. Looking forward to it. Um, For everybody else, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and also on Talk Radio. You can check out our uh, social sites on Facebook, Gridiron Beauties, on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty, and you can check out our gallery on Instagram of amazing women playing American football globally. So uh, for Michael Burmey, Oscar Lopez, for the absent Troy Wilson and Holly Custis, we'll see you guys here next week. For another edition of the Grand Blitz, right here on Apple Podcasts and Block Talk Radio. So, Michael, thanks. Have a great uh, evening.
0: You too, Nappy. Once again, it was...